0: Welcome to The Heart Zone featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: Folks, uh, we've been for the last few weeks looking at the whole issue of church, why we're here as a church. we call called the series Be the Church. It's more than a service. Because we've been dealing with the reality that sometimes, you know, for us as individuals, we've been kind of trained this way, we've been kind of taught this way, that church is just a service to attend. Do you know, you know what I mean by that? Church is just simply coming and hearing the music, and we've had some great music today, haven't we? and it's hearing a message, and maybe we hear about some activity that's happening during the month that we want to be involved in, and and that's our concept of church. And, and And I can understand why we get that way, because that's kind of how it seems to be set up, right? Because the church is an organization, it's an incorporation, it's an entity, and I become a part of it, and I'm supposed to be there every Sunday. But to be honest with you folks, if you study the New Testament you realize that church is a whole lot more than that. Church is more than just the service. Church is more than just the building. Church is more than just the organization or the entity. Church is people. You're the church. And church, then, is what you make of it. And so how you view things will determine your perspective on church. And if we go all the way back to Acts chapter 2 to the very first church on that day when on Pentecost when it started, we see there that they, in, in verse 42 through 47, they had five commitments, five things that they took seriously that identified who they were as a church. And we looked at one last week, they had a commitment to God's word. This week we're going to look at, they had a commitment to each other, intimate relationships. And we're going to discuss that here in a moment. They also had a commitment to Christ-centered worship. And they had a commitment to prayer. And then we had they had a commitment to generosity. And we'll explain what all that is here in the next few weeks. But we're looking at those five commitments of what it means to be a part of a church. And I think especially today, it's really important for us to see that when we come to church, it's more than a service because what we're talking about is intimate relationships in the church. Now, here's the problem. The problem is is that you and I have to deal with a sad reality when it comes to relationships. What do you mean, George? Well, I want to point out two things to you. First of all, we tend to keep our relationships superficial. We tend to keep our relationships superficial. It's like, well, you know, I got a lot of friends. Or should I say I have a lot of acquaintances? Because a friend is somebody who will do anything for you without asking for anything in return. And and the reality is in life you'll only have a few of those. In fact, I had a professor one time in school who, who once said that you will only have five of those in your life. Make sure that one of them is your spouse. Pretty wise wisdom there, don't you think? Everybody else, he says, is an acquaintance. And I'll be honest with you, there's a reason why. It's because we want to keep our relationships superficial. We want, to, we want to be friends with people, but we want to keep them at arm's length. We don't really want them to get close to us, because if I let you get close to me, then I'm in trouble. What do you mean I'm in trouble, George? Well, if I let you get close to me, then I open myself up to, are you ready for this? I'm opening myself up to being hurt. Because you know what it's like dealing with human beings. When you deal with human beings, there's always the possibility of what? Getting hurt. Do you know what I'm saying? Folks disappoint. Human beings disappoint each other. Human beings hurt each other. Because the more intimate you get with somebody, the more you open yourself up to problems. Because here's the second reason. The sad reality is, is this. Relationships are messy. Have you noticed that? They're not perfect. Relationships are messy. Why? Because people are messy. People have baggage. People have issues. You know, they brought it from their their families of origin and they bring it into the relationship with you. They carry the scars of their experiences. That's why, you know, when folks get divorced, you know, they think, well, I could just start all over. No, there's no starting all over. Do you realize that when you get divorced, you bring your experiences of that marriage into your next one? That's reality. And relationships are messy. So when it comes to church, it's almost easy to want to keep it at just a service. Well, yeah, I like those folks there at church, but I don't really want to know them too well. Because we want to keep everything superficial and relationships are what? Messy. Now, here's the problem, though, folks. Here's the problem. The problem is it's not an option for us to keep them superficial. Why do you say that, George? Because that's how I'm functioning. Well, the problem is is if you're a Christian, your relationships, especially in a church, are not meant to be superficial. Because when you talk about a church, another description of church is what? Family. And family almost requires that the relationships no longer become superficial. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that there's a need for each of us to be involved in each other's lives for a purpose. For a purpose. And one of the reasons why that is, is because God created you a certain way. What do you mean? He did not create you, are you ready for this, especially for the guys here? He did not create you to be an island unto yourself. You have built in your wiring of who you are a need, are you ready for this, a need to interact on an intimate level with other people. Period. That's built into you. I don't know if I agree with that, George. Really? Haven't seen too many single people here by choice. Do you know what I mean? The reality is, is that the reason why we gravitate towards marriage is why? The need that's within our lives for what? Intimacy. With someone else. See, God created that hole in your life. And for a believer... You have a greater need, because the Holy Spirit's within you, to want to interact with other Christians. And we'll see why here in a moment. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at chapter 10 in Hebrews. We're going to look at four verses, verse 22 through verse 25. Paul's going to tell us three things that we need to do here. He begins it with each one of the things. It's let us do this. Let us do this. It's not Paul, excuse me. The writer of Hebrews is saying this. So I want you to notice with me verse 22 through 25. Look at what the three things he's telling us to do here. Let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us, here's where we talk about these intimate relationships, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of son, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. And here's what we're going to do, folks. We're actually going to take these four verses And we're going to divide them into two sections. We're going to look, first of all, at verses 22 and 23. We're going to see some important actions. That's the first two areas of the three that he's telling us to do something. But then we're going to see in verses 24 and verse 25 what's necessary for your growth. We're going to see what's necessary for your Christian life. And you're going to be surprised by it. So let's look, first of all, at the important actions. Look with me at verse 22. Look at what he says there. Let us draw near. Draw near to who, George? Draw near to God. With what? With a true heart in the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What's he saying here? Pursue God with sincerity and faith. Pursue God with sincerity and faith. So here's what he's going to—he's encouraging you to do. Because you're a Christian, because you've committed your life to Christ, because you got saved, you need to do something. See, a lot of us have this concept that when I got saved and I asked Jesus to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins, that's it. I'm okay until heaven. No, no. There's something you need to do. And the first thing that you need to do is pursue Him. Pursue who? God. With sincerity. Now what does that mean? With a sincere heart. Because first of all, God knows your heart. And He knows why you're here. Do you understand what I'm saying? He knows why you're here. Some of you are here this morning. It looks like you're happy and you're here, but the reason why you're here is because the spouse brought you. I'm just being honest. Or a mama brought you. Or you're here because of grandma. Did, did you know what I'm saying? Or you're here because of some obligation from the past. This is what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. That's not sincerity, folks. You're here because you feel obligated to be here. You're here because you feel compulsion. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's not sincerity. Sincerity is, is that you show up and you pursue Him because you want to know Him. You want to know the God that loves you. But not just that, you have faith. You pursue Him with faith. What do you mean faith, George? Faith is more than just belief, folks. Faith is a recognition that he is who he is, and that's where my hope lies. And you make a commitment to follow him there. Faith is, is belief in action. Faith is trust. And so you, you pursue him not just from a sincere heart, but you pursue him from, a, from an aspect of trusting him to do something in your life. That he, You're trusting him to have forgiven you. You're trusting him to carry you through life. That's the first thing we're to do here. Let us, what? Pursue God. Draw near to him with what? A sincere heart. That's what he's talking about. Here's the second important action. Look with me at verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. What's he saying here? Hold on with a hope that is based on God's faithfulness. Hold on with a hope. That is based on God's faithfulness. Okay, you know, we're not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you know, we've got a nice room full of people here today. I can almost guarantee you not everybody had a perfect week this week. You know what I mean? A lot of you have gone through it this week. It has been an emotional roller coaster. If anything could go wrong this week, it went wrong this week. You know what I'm talking about? Because it's life. And sometimes you are faced with circumstances and sometimes you're put in situations where you just kind of question, God, do you even care? God, do you love me? Don't you know what's going on in my life? Don't you know I can't handle this right now? Another thing happening, Lord? Don't you hate it when it rains and pours? What he's telling us here is not just to draw near to God. Look at the second thing he says. Let us hold fast. What is he talking about? Hold on to. Grip the confession of hope that you have. What's the confession of hope? Your belief that Jesus Christ died for you. That you are forgiven. That you are a child of God. And that you have a place with Him for eternity. He's saying hold on to that. Hold on to that. And, it, and the reason why you can hold on to that is not because of you. Have you noticed? Look at that verse. It's not because of you. Look at that. It's saying, not because you've got your act together. Not because you've got the belief system down. Not because your life's been perfect. You notice what it says there? Because of who? Because God is what? Faithful. See, there's a, you, you ever notice that there are times when you're just ready to give up, and, and it's almost like you want to pray like the guy in the Gospels, Lord increase my faith because I just don't have it today it's not based on you I can hold on to that hope not because of me because you ever know sometimes you ever you realize you you realize you just don't have it all together and you waver and, and it's like I'm not sure I can get through this if it's based on me you, you know what folks your hope isn't based on you your hope is based on who God who and notice what it says about God he is what faithful Wow, what are two important actions here, right? If I'm going to get through my Christian life, i got to draw near to God with a sincere heart and faith. But I also have to hold on to hope. A hope that's not based on me. But a hope that's based on who? God. Why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful. Now he comes to the third thing that we're supposed to do. And this is where we talk about why we have church. Look at what he says, verse 24. And let us. Notice, again, there's that let us. Verse 22, let us. Verse 23, let us. Verse 24 now. And let us. What does he want us to do now? What am I supposed to do now? Look at what he says here. Consider one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Here's what he's going to talk about, folks. He's going to talk about what is necessary for you and I as believers to grow in this life. And here's what's necessary. You ready for this? What's necessary is intimate relationships. Because remember I told you, You were not created to go it alone. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are not an island to yourself. I don't care how macho you are. And I don't care how independent you are as a spirit. As a soul. I can just go it alone. I don't need anybody. You ever heard anybody tell you that? I don't need anybody. Bogus. The fact of the matter is everybody needs somebody. Do you know what I mean? And the reality is, for your Christian life, you just don't draw near to Him. You just don't hold on to, to a hope that's based on His faithfulness. You've got to have each other. That's why we have church folks. It's not for a service. It's not for activities. Go bowling. Go skating. Go on a picnic. Have a lot of food to eat. It's not to hear a message. But it's to interact with each other on an intimate level for several reasons, here's what we're going to see. I want to point out to you four things that I'm going to tell you about the nece- that's necessary. Why these intimate relationships are necessary. Look with me at verse 24. First thing he says there. And let us consider one another. That word consider there, what does it mean? Well, it means that you need to grow in your understanding of each other. Grow in your understanding of each other. Now here, let's just, let's talk about human interaction, okay? You know, if we keep all of our relationships superficial, that's what we tend to do, we keep all of our relationships superficial. If we show up at church, and, and we see a dude there or a gal, and, and they always act the same way every week, and that just irritates us. You ever been irritated by people? No, y'all are perfect, right? Nobody irritates you, right? But have you ever showed up at church and been irritated by somebody? Trust me, I get irritated sometimes. Now, if I keep my if I keep my relationships superficial, I just live with that irritation. Oh, so and so every time. Oh, he's always doing that. But if you get intimate with people, you might try to realize why so and so does that. Do you know what I mean? There might be a reason why so and so acts that way. There might be a reason why so and so responds that way. If you get beneath the surface of where people is. But the problem is, is we want to stay superficial with each other. Paul's talking about let us consider one another. That, that's more than just sitting there and saying hi. It's getting to know people. It's understanding where they're at. It's understanding their background. Why are they the way they are? Because here's the problem, folks. Do you understand we've got so many people here this morning. Do you understand each person here is a product of their own experiences? They're a product of their homes. Some are a product of dysfunctional homes. Some are products of what others might say a perfect home. First of all, there's no perfect home. Some are a product of all the failures in their past. And they carry the shame of that. And that's how they see themselves. Some are a product of this, that, or another. And and, and the problem is, is if we're just superficial with each other, we're really not going to understand why we tick the way we tick. Do you understand? Why we respond the way we respond. And sometimes that takes that you and I need to make an effort to what? Get to know each other. Understand why they are the way they are. Why they respond the way they are. Grow in your understanding of each other. Here's what he says next. Why do we need to do that? Why do I need to get underneath the surface with you? Why do I need to have more than just a superficial relationship? And let me just stop for a moment. I'm not asking you to have intimate relationships with everybody who's here today. That's impossible. But you can maybe have intimate relationship with two or three people and get to know where they're at. That's what church is about, folks. Church is not just about a service. It's about family. Now here, why do we do this? Because look at what it says there, verse 24. Let us consider one another in order. Why am I doing this? The writer's going to tell us here why. In order to what? Stir up love and good works. Here's what I want you to see. This allows us to encourage each other to love and do good things. This allows us to stir up each other to love. Isn't that what we're supposed to be? Isn't that what Jesus said? By this shall they know that you are my disciples. By your what? Love for one another. The Gospel of John. Isn't that interesting? Jesus said, by this shall they know that you are my followers. Not what you stand on. Not what you're against. But because you what? Love each other. Christianity is supposed to be exhibited by what? Love. And in order for us to do that, though, we've got to get beneath the surface with each other and stir each other to what? Love. Now, it sounds pretty simple, isn't it? But no, it's not. Because remember I told you relationships are what? Messy. And sometimes when you get beneath the surface with people, you find out why it's hard for them to what? Love. Because maybe you need to help them to find what? Healing. To deal with the scars. So that they can love again. See, that's what church is about. Not, not, not just to, to, look, to teach, help people to love, but to help them to do what? What else does he say there? Good things. For them to do good things. See, so many people don't even want to attempt to do good things because they see themselves as a what? Failure. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've messed up. You don't know how Jesus can't use me anymore. Really? You're still living. You're still breathing. God's not done with you yet, but it takes somebody to get down beneath the surface to understand where they're at. Not just to stir them to love, but to, for them to be able to do what? Good things. Good things. See, this is what church is about, folks. This is what church is about. Look with me. Now. Get to verse 25. We see another thing here. Here's what he says. And, and and you know, I've heard lots of messages on verse 25. Lots of messages. I've heard lots of preachers talk about verse 25. And I understand why. Look at verse 25. And not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Stop, do a whole message there. What's he talking about? Quit not going to church. That's what the message was. You're commanded to assemble, not to forsake the assembly. You're commanded to make sure you're in church and you have a whole bunch of messages there. But you're forgetting the context. What do you mean the context? Well, you know what? When you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con. And if I just take this one little section of verses where it says for you to make sure you're here because you shouldn't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but I don't tell you the context of why he said it, you're going to miss out. And here's what you're going to miss out on. Remember the context. The context is what? That you're to consider one another, and you're to what? Stir each other to love and good works. Therefore, he says what? Don't abandon each other. That's what I want you to see here. The next point is, abandoning each other is not an option. See, when you forsake, the meaning of the word forsake there means abandoning. Here's, you are needed! You want to write that down in your margin? You are needed! So not being here is not an option because we need you. Why? Because maybe there's two or three people that you're connecting with and they need you because they need your arm that week to give them a hug. Because maybe there's somebody here that needs your encouragement. Maybe there's somebody here that just needs you need to sit. You just need to tell them, stop it. You're not doing right. You ever notice that sometimes? Sometimes we need somebody to whoop us upside the head, right? But the only person that can do it is somebody that we know that truly what? Loves us. Cares for us. It's not an option. Don't abandon each other. See, here's the thing, though. This is what disturbs me sometimes. Because we think of church as just some simple service that we think is just an option. And so we say to ourselves, oh, well, I guess the weather's okay today so we can show up. Or, boy, it's really cold outside. I think I'll just stay home in my bed. We view church as just an optional thing. It's not an optional thing. Why? Because it's not just about what goes on in the service. It's about the people who are in here interacting with each other. And you're needed. Because they need you. And are you ready for this? You need them. Because we're stirring each other on to what? Love. Good works. Abandoning each other is not an option. Abandoning each other is not an option. Here's the fourth reason why. Look with me in verse, last part of verse 25. As is the manner of some. Because, hey, some people are doing that. Isn't that true? I mean, look, this was written almost 2,000 years ago. Still got the same problem today, right? But here's what he says. Here's why we do it. But exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Here's what I want you to see. First of all, that word exhort can also mean, are you ready for this? Comfort. All right, let's substitute that word comfort, exhort for comfort. Let me read it to you. But comforting one another. And so much the more as you see what the day approaching. Here's why we need to be here. Here's why it's necessary for your growth. Here's the fourth point: We must comfort each other in these dark times. We must comfort each other in these dark times. I already said to you, some of you've had a rotten week, right? Some of you said, "It's been a rotten year. You need to be able to know that there is a group of people that you attach yourselves to, the church, that no matter how difficult the week is, or no matter how difficult the week is that is to come, because sometimes we get freaked out by what we know is coming down the pike, right? Don't you? I know I do. We get all worked up about what's coming this week. You need to know that there's a place that you can go to where you will be loved. Because there are people there who what? Understand you. And so therefore they'll what? Comfort you. Because you know the day's approaching. What is approaching. Folks, the day is approaching. That's the judgment of Christ. What happens in the judgment of Christ? When does it happen? When things keep getting darker and bad in this world? You need to know that there are people who are going to pray for you. You need to know there are people who are going to be there for you. I'm going to tell you something. That takes more than just superficial relationships, doesn't it? Folks, do you see why we need church? Why it's more than just a service?
0: Thank you for being with us this morning.